these cold mornings, I guess, has everybody kind of moving a little bit slower than normal. Totally understand that. I want to share with you the third message in a series that we started several weeks ago. I didn't know we would be interrupted quite as much as we have been, and I apologize for that. Uh, Some of it uh, has just been unexpected, like my dad having a stroke a couple weeks ago. Um, But we are on a third message in the series on the Holy Spirit. The first message had to do with his sovereignty that he blows, uh, Jesus said, that the Spirit of God is like the wind that blows. He does as He ple- blows as He pleases. He's a sovereign uh, God that He uh, is, we, we can't gin Him up, that He does as He pleases to do as God among us, changing our hearts. Last message that I preached, the second one, was a, uh, tried to take you uh, through a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit as it's revealed to us in Scripture, starting with, the book of Genesis, all the way through the book of Revelation, and we came to see that he is a person, not a power, not an emotion. And I pointed out some other things. These uh, messages are on our our Facebook page, church Facebook page, if you want to download them, podcast. I'll also be more than happy to give you the manuscripts if you'd rather read. But we are trying to come to understand who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives and how we can get on board with what he's doing and what he wants to do. Uh, because he has such an important uh, part to play in our salvation process and and in um, our living this life for the glory of God. There are some books and materials on the back table there in front of the sound booth that we're giving away as well. There's a new book that I just put out there last week. If you haven't picked one up, please do so. It's a great book uh, uh, recommended by Francis Chan, if you know who he is on the Holy Spirit. I'd encourage you to pick that book up and read it to further your understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about a prophecy that was given by a prophet named Joel, 830 years before Christ was born. It's, to me, in my mind, one of the most tremendous promises given to us in the Word of God. Um, Approximately 830 B.C., before Christ, a prophet named Joel predicted a day would come when God would pour out His Spirit upon all people. Not on just a few individuals chosen for specific tasks, but on all people. Would you say that with me? All people. All people. Come on. Here's how the prophecy reads. Read it with me. Joel 22, 28-32 says, And afterward, I will pour out My Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. And I think that this is the word you have for us today. I sense in my spirit, Lord, that this is something you really want us to get hold of today. So I pray that you would open up our ears and open up our hearts, O Lord, to hear and understand what it is you're trying to say so that we can get hold of it, so that we can apply it, so that we can live it out, Jesus. 
This is a promise you've given to your people. And it's a promise we not only want to claim for ourselves, but it's a promise we want to receive and apply and live out. So help us, oh God, today to see what it is you're trying to do in us through your Spirit. So that you can be glorified in us in these last days. So that we can live the lives that you've called us to live in these last days. We love you. We praise you. I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for the the tenderness of their hearts toward you. I thank you for the earnestness and the seriousness in which they're studying your word. I pray, Father, that you would make them fruitful and productive in that study. In Jesus' name, amen. I will pour out my spirit. Man, that I'm telling you, that's one of the greatest promises in the word of God. And, and before we get any further into the message, I want to just meditate on that simple promise given to us, that simple but profound promise given to us where God says, I will pour out my spirit. Let's just meditate on that for just a moment to try to get hold of what God is is offering to us by his grace. I will pour out my spirit. That I speaks to God's sovereignty. That word I speaks to God's sovereignty. God chooses to pour out His Spirit on all people. God is sovereign and He wants to do it. And God has the power to do it. Psalm 115.3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. And what He pleases to do is to pour out His Spirit on all people. I will pour out my Spirit. Will. That word will speaks to God's determination. It is God's determined purpose to pour out His Spirit on all people. God has resolved to do it, and He will do it. He will do it. It is His determined purpose to do it. Isaiah 14.27 says, For the Lord of hosts has planned, and who can frustrate it? And as for His stretched out hand... Who can turn it back? The Lord has determined to pour His Spirit out on all people. Pour out. I will pour out. I will pour out my Spirit, He says. This speaks to God's generosity. His generosity. You see, God doesn't promise just a trickle of His Spirit. God doesn't promise to send His Spirit in drips and drops, God will pour out His Spirit on all people beyond every conceivable measure. He's going to pour His Spirit out on all people. Jesus says in John 7, 38, whoever believes in Me, as Scripture has said, what rivers of living water, rivers, not, not river, not stream, not creek, rivers. Think about the Mississippi River or Niagara Falls pouring over your life. That's what he's talking about. God is going to pour his spirit out on us as if you were standing under Niagara Falls all by yourself taking the weight of that water. You get that? God's generosity. You won't get drips and drops. He is going to pour out his spirit 
on us. My spirit, he says. I will pour out my spirit. That speaks to God's personality. Now here's where it gets really cool. God himself, God himself, God's glorious presence, God's glorious power, God's holiness, God's love, he will pour out on all people. The Spirit of God will saturate us. The Spirit of God will permeate our humanity. The Spirit of God will transform our hardened hearts. God's Spirit is going to renew our sinful minds. God's Spirit will be poured out upon us in such a way that it will empower our feeble spirits. When the Spirit of God is poured out on all people, His personality will infuse our personalities. His nature will permeate our nature. You ain't going to be you no more. It's going to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. You get that? What you think is weak, he is going to transform into strength. That's exactly what Peter says in 2 Peter 1.4 when he says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us, God has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share God's divine nature. You see, it's not you wrestling against the pressures of your flesh anymore. <laughs> it's God in you. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. It's not you at war with those addictions and those sinful inclinations anymore. It's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit who's at work in you. It's not you having to fix your stinking thinking it's the Lord Jesus Christ through His Spirit renewing your mind and giving you the mind of Christ. You get this? I mean, everything changes when His Spirit is poured out. Everything changes. Everything changes when God fulfills His promise to pour out His Spirit upon all people. This promise from God changes everything. In fulfilling this promise, listen, in fulfilling this promise to us, God intends to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. In fulfilling this promise to us, God plans to open up the floodgates and rain down the blessings of his kingdom upon every human heart that's open to receive it. He wants to do it. God will do it. And it will be done in ways and measures beyond our comprehension. And when the promise is fulfilled in your own personal life, it will change everything about you. You will be completely different. Given a new heart, a new nature, a new purpose, a new destiny. God intends to change everything when He fulfills that promise to us to pour His Spirit out upon all people. Now my question for you today is this. Do you personally want to experience this outpouring for yourself? Is this what you want? He's willing to do it. He's offered to do it. He promises to do it. Do you want it when he gets ready to do it? That's the choice you and I have to face today, the choice that we have to make. And that's a question only you can answer. 
What I want to do for just a moment is focus on this promise. Now that we get a little glimpse, I hope, into all that it means, let's focus on this promise for just a moment. Let's take a closer look at this. We need to first of all see that this promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a promise made to us. It's a promise for the last days. It's a promise made for those who live in the last days. You see, when Joel recorded the promise, Joel used the phrase, and afterward, to indicate that God's Spirit would come sometime after God's judgment on the unbelieving people of Judah. But there was no real time frame given to us for its fulfillment, just the word afterward. And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Well, over 800 years later, Peter quotes this passage, this prophecy, from Joel when he stands up to deliver his sermon that you can read on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I don't know if you remember it or not, but if you do, here's how it went. The Holy Spirit came upon the 120 believers gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem. These 120 believers began to speak in other tongues. They began to declare the greatness of God in languages, the Bible says, they didn't even know. And a crowd gathered around them to see what was going on. Some of those bystanders, they thought the disciples were drunk. Foolish people. Drunk already at this time of morning, but Peter stands up. This is the same Peter, by the way, that was running away from little slave girls on the night that Jesus was betrayed, declaring he didn't even know who Jesus was. Well, this is about just about 50 days later. And now Peter stands up and begins to address the crowd, and he preaches a sermon, and he says, look, it's too early in the morning for us to be drunk, so let's get that out of the way. He then went on to explain that what these people were seeing was a fulfillment of what Joel had predicted over eight centuries earlier. In Acts 2, 16 through 17, Peter says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. On the day of Pentecost, God kept His promise made through the prophet Joel On the day of Pentecost, God began to pour out. It was just the beginning. It was the first experience. It was the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all people. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that Peter changed the quotation just a little bit. Did you notice that? Joel said, and afterward. Peter said, in the last days. You get that? Get that little little nuance there. I hope you don't want to explain it to you for just a minute. You see, in the New Testament, the last days always refers to the period of time that begins with the day of Pentecost, but ends the moment Christ Jesus returns. The last days began when the Spirit was first poured out on them, on those disciples on the day of Pentecost. The last days will come to an end when Jesus appears here in front of us again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, I know that's 2,000 years ago, and you think, my goodness, 2,000 years have passed, 
And I'm telling you, time in, 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 in the eyes of God means nothing, okay? In the eyes of God, we are living in those last days. The Spirit of God is still being poured out on all people. Just like it was on that first day, the day of Pentecost. We're in the final chapter of the story. And it doesn't matter that it's been 200 years since that first day of Pentecost. God doesn't count time like we do. We are living in the last days. I want you to think about it this way, if you will. What Joel predicted in 830 B.C., Peter says came to pass in 33 A.D. And the fulfillment of this promise made by God still continues 2,000 years later. There's been no let-up in the fulfillment of, the pro- of, that, of that promise. The outpouring of God's Spirit will continue until Christ comes back. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that the promise of the Holy Spirit is for those of us living in these last days as we anticipate the coming of the Lord. What the disciples experienced in the book of Acts is the same experience that waits for us today. You get that? That promise is as much ours as it was theirs. You understand that? Okay? You still want? It's going to wreck you. It's going to wreck you. I want you to understand something. I don't mean to criticize anybody, and I'm not going to name names. But I want you to understand something. The promise that God made to pour His Spirit out on us in these last days, that promise isn't made to us so we can be entertained in these last days by preachers waving their coats to knock people down. I didn't mention names, but you know exactly who I'm talking about if you watch Christian TV. (laughs) The Spirit of God hasn't been promised to us in these last days so that we can run from one emotional experience to another like a junkie looking for one more spiritual high. i got to know you're with me. The promise that God has made to pour out His Spirit upon us in these last days is to make us bold and powerful witnesses for Christ. It's to equip us and empower us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, starting in our own neighborhoods. It's not for our entertainment. It's not for our pleasure. It's for the glory of God that the promise has been made. Let's get it clear, guys. Please, please, let's get it clear. All the shenanigans that go on, that seem to go on on so much of Christian TV, and that's a distraction. That's a circus created to get us off of what really is important about the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Jesus states the purpose for us quite clearly in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when He says this to His disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Look, 
Don't get caught up by all the distractions. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not to see how high it can make you jump or how many times it can make you fall. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to first of all make us holy, to make us bold, to make us powerful and effective witnesses for Christ Jesus. As you seek the Lord to pour out His Spirit on you, don't forget the purpose. It's not to make you go, woo, that felt good. All the woo, that made you feel good is worthless unless it's changed you. Unless it's making you a bolder, more powerful witness for Jesus in these last days. All that chasing around will do you no good and will be meaningless in the long run. It's a promise given to us who live in the last days. The promise of the Spirit is for these last days, and secondly, it's a promise for all people. It's a promise for all people. In Joel chapter 2, God promises to pour out my Spirit on all people. The outpouring of the Spirit is not just for the spiritual leaders. It's not just for a select few. It's a promise that's been made to all of us who call on the name of the Lord. If you go back to Numbers 11 in the Old Testament, it tells a fascinating story from the time of Israel's wandering in the wilderness. If you go back and read that, and I would encourage you to do that this afternoon, you read that Moses grew frustrated with the Jews and their complaining as they journeyed through the wilderness. He told the Lord, he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, I can't lead these people anymore. I can't do it by myself anymore. So the Lord told Moses to call 70 elders of Israel to the tent of meeting. And the Lord promised that He would take some of the power of His Spirit and He would put it on those elders so that they could share the burdens of leadership with Moses. Well, that's exactly what happened. When the, when the Spirit came upon those 70 elders, they began to prophesy. They began to publicly declare the glory of God. However, there were two of the elders who had lagged behind and they were still in the camp. They had not yet joined the rest of the elders. But it didn't matter. Because even though they were still in the camp, the Spirit of the Lord came upon those two elders still within that camp and they began to prophesy and they began to declare the glory of the Lord. And a little boy came running up to Moses. Moses, Moses, do you know what's going on? There are two elders in the camp and they're doing like some whacked out stuff. I don't really understand what they're doing. And, and Joshua looked at Moses. Joshua, Moses aide the camp, looked at Moses and he said, Moses, you need to make them stop. You need to make them stop doing what they're doing. They need to stop. A lot of people are going to tell you, you need to stop. Who are you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? You've got no right. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. What are you doing full of the Spirit of God? And that's exactly what Joshua tried to tell Moses. You need to make those two guys shut up. What Moses said is so powerful, man. He said, Joshua, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put His Spirit on all of them. That's exactly what Joel prophesied God would do. You get that? A day would come when all of God's people would experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
You see, what Moses wished for, Joshua predicted, or Joel predicted. And what Joel predicted, Peter explained. The Holy Spirit has now come upon all people. His nature has permeated the natures of all of those who call upon the Lord. The promise of the Holy Spirit isn't just for the spiritually elite or the theologically trained or the denominationally recognized. The promise is made to every one of us who trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Lord wants to fill us all with the Spirit. The Lord wants to impart to us all His glorious presence and life-changing power. He wants to give all of us a gift that we can use to glorify His name. And I pray, man, this is my prayer. I pray that the day will soon come when every person in our fellowship experiences this glorious outpouring of the Spirit of God in their own life. When every one of us begins to speak boldly and prophetically in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise given to all of us if you're ready to receive it. Do you want to receive this promise? I mean, some of it, it's kind of scary, really. Like, I kind of like the way things are right now. You know what? Complacency is your greatest enemy. Some of us stand on the brink of something extraordinary happening in our lives, but instead we're, we'd rather stay where we are. You stay where you are, you're going to shrivel up and die. You're going to lose your spiritual vitality. God wants to do more. And he's promised to do more. He's promised to do more in your life than you ever dreamed possible. Don't settle for what is. Keep pressing on into what's out there. Because God has more. God has more. This promise has been given to those of us who live in the last days. This promise has been made to all of us. All of us who call on the name of the Lord. Third thing I want you to notice about this is that the promise of the Spirit is for all groups of people. All groups of people. You see, God doesn't discriminate. The Holy Spirit doesn't discriminate. We might. We might. But God never will. We might separate into our little groups based on age or sex or race or background. But God is no respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. Joel 2, 28 through 29 says this, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You see, God doesn't discriminate on the basis of sex. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Come on, ladies. Y'all been shut down and shut up too long. It's time to step out into the glorious promise of the Holy Spirit in your life. He doesn't discriminate on the basis of age. Your old men, he says, will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Some of you think you're too old and too washed up. And I'm saying, oh my goodness. Why would you deny God 
the opportunity to pour His Spirit out upon your life and put you to work glorifying His name in these last days. Some of you think, I'm too young. Timothy would say, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. Come on. Come on. God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't discriminate on the basis of social standing. He says in this promise, in this this verse, even on my servants, that literally means slaves, even on slaves, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. Listen, here's the point. God doesn't play favorites. When he makes a promise to Mark Davis, he makes a promise to Chrissy Ashworth. You get that? It doesn't matter. Background, gender, age, former addict, current addict. When he makes a promise to one, he makes a promise to all. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't discriminate. His desire is to pour his spirit out on you. If you're willing to receive it. Paul talks, the Apostle Paul talks about God's non-discriminatory practices. I love that word, non-discriminatory. We throw it around a lot, but let's look at somebody that really believes that. Paul talks about God's non-discriminatory practices in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's in a discussion about the spiritual gifts, and John is leading us through that discussion. You need to be here Wednesday night. Don't miss a Wednesday night. But right in the middle of this discussion about spiritual giftings, Paul writes this and he says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And I want you to read this last little phrase with me. And we all share the same spirit. (laughs) Now here's the thing. In conversations with you guys, I sometimes walk away thinking that you doubt the promise of the spirit applies to somebody like you. I don't know what you think your issue is. It might be because of your background with drugs and alcohol, or it might be because of some past failure, or it might be because of who you happen to be or your family happens to be. But some of you seem to doubt the fact that the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would apply to you. Maybe you think something about you disqualifies you from receiving this promise that God has made. Maybe you think it's your family background or your past failures or your lack of social standing or your lack of knowledge. In some cases I hear that, I just don't know enough. Sometimes that's a good thing not to know too much. Sometimes we get our heads so full of knowledge, we won't act on it. Because we think just knowing it's good enough. You understand what I'm saying? We see that all the time, right? That's why sometimes God can only pour spirit out on us when we're asleep. And it's happened to a friend of mine. He told you. He sought and sought and sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't until he went to sleep one night where he shut his conscious thinking off and God came in and began to minister to him in his unconscious state. Uh, That's another story. I'll let him come and share that sometime. Maybe, maybe you think the promise doesn't apply to you because 
you think that God could never trust someone like you with His Holy Spirit. Maybe you think that God could never trust someone like you with a spiritual gift. Or maybe you think that God could never trust someone like you with His anointing. And what I want you to understand that this passage of Scripture puts those doubts to rest. God has promised to pour His Spirit out on all groups of people without discrimination and without favoritism. He wants to pour His Holy Spirit out on you. He wants to equip you with spiritual gifts. I long for the day when one of you jokers steps up here and says, Pastor Mark, I got a word from God and it's burning inside of me and I got to share. Go right ahead. Let's hear what God has to say. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking, I want to see it happen. Some of y'all have been on the edge of that. And you're like, nah, God can never speak through somebody like me. And I'm telling you, put those doubts to rest. God wants to use you. Some of you have thought, God wants me to pray with them. And you've not done it because you thought to yourself, who am I to go pray with them about that problem? I am telling you, put the doubts to rest. God has poured His Spirit out upon your life because He wants to put you to work. Stop doubting what He said and begin to operate in, this, in the fullness of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Look, God wants to equip you with spiritual gifts. He wants to empower each of you, no matter what your background is or what your limitations you think are. God wants to empower you to live confidently and boldly and productively for Jesus. The promise of the Spirit is for all groups of people. It's not limited to one particular group. So we've talked about some different aspects of the promise of God's uh, outpouring of His Spirit. We've talked about it being for us who live in the last days. We've talked about it being for all of us. We've talked about it being for all, all, all the groups that we represent. Well, there, there are a couple more promises in this passage of Scripture that I, that I want to go on and talk about because they relate. They relate to God's promise to pour His Spirit out in these last days. God promised to pour out His Spirit in these last days on all people, on all groups. Not just There are two more promises made in this passage that I think we need to, to get hold of so that we gain a fuller understanding of what this is all about. First of all, this passage also contains a promise of coming judgment. This passage also contains a promise of coming judgment. Verses 30 through 31 says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Look, these, these verses describe a series of cataclysmic events that occurred just before Christ's return. These verses weren't fulfilled in Joel's day. These verses weren't fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when Peter got up and preached his sermon. These verses have yet to be fulfilled in our day. But one day, one day, these verses will be fulfilled. And one day, Christ will come again to judge the earth. Remember, we are in the last days. And I believe with all my heart we are quickly approaching that great and dreadful day of the Lord. Judgment is coming. I feel it in my gut. Coming. 
And the promise of God's outpouring of His Spirit is made in that context. God's pouring out His Spirit because Judgment Day is, lies just ahead. The second promise I want to point out, and I hope to wrap this up in just a minute. Ben, if you'd come on up. There's another promise made here that I want us to see, that this passage also contains a promise of salvation. Yes, it contains a, a, a promise of judgment, but it also contains a message of salvation, a promise of salvation. A, yes, a day of judgment is coming, but God offers mankind a way to be saved. Verse 32 says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I get a praise God? I don't know about you, but I would hate to think that there's a day of judgment coming and I'd have no way to escape it. Some of us have felt that in a courtroom. We knew it was coming, but there was no way to avoid it. Guess what? There's a day of judgment coming, but we have a way of escape. This verse is so important. This promise contained in this passage of Scripture is so important that the Holy Spirit included it in God's Word three different times. We see it here in Joel 2. We hear it again when Peter, when Peter preaches his sermon in Acts 2. And then Paul shares it again in Romans chapter 10. You see, God always intended to make it possible for people like you and me to escape that judgment that's coming. And we know how He did it. He did it through the death and resurrection of His Son, Christ Jesus, who died on the cross to pay in full the penalty for our sins, who rose again on the third day to justify us in the eyes of God. Listen, let, let me try to wrap this up a little bit. Here's what that means. We have to understand the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all people within the context of a judgment day that's coming and a way of escape that's been offered to us through Christ Jesus. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit means that the offer for salvation now goes out to every person on earth. And everyone means everyone. Whether it's someone living in Kalira, Alabama, or someone living in Mumbai, India, the whether somebody is among the cultured elite of their society, or whether it's, this, it's, a, it's a someone who is included among those unwashed masses, whether that someone is a billionaire living in a mansion, or whether it's a homeless person living under a bridge, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit means that we have now been given a way of escape, that the Holy Spirit will convict our hearts of sin, will turn our hearts toward Christ, and if we call upon the name of the Lord... We don't have to worry about that coming judgment day because Christ has already paid the penalty and suffered the judgment on our behalf. You get that? Praise God for that, man. Praise God for that. But this is what it also means. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit also means that not only are we given an opportunity to escape the judgment that's coming, but that once we are saved, we're then empowered to become Christ's witnesses to take that gospel message to everybody we come in contact with. Does that make sense? In other words, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit's not for you, it's for Him. And it's for them. You get that? I'm telling you, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is too often misrepresented in our church culture today. We make it about us. 
We make it about what we can experience, about what we can feel, about what gift I can get to make myself look good. It ain't about you, baby. It's about him and it's about them. It's never about you. Never. Get that out of your head. Would you say that with me? It's never about me. It's always about him. It's never about me. It's always about Him. If you want to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that's exactly the kind of attitude God's looking for. God wants us in these last days to be witnesses who are equipped and empowered by the Spirit of God to live wholeheartedly for God. Witnesses who will serve God and help others come to know God for themselves. I want you to stand to your feet. We're just going to open up the altars, worship the Lord. As we come to the end of the message and transition into a time of worship around this altar, I, I want to end my sermon the exact same way Peter ended his. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that as Peter came to the conclusion of his sermon that the people who had listened were cut to the heart. And they said, Brother, what shall I do? Brother, what shall I do? Brother, you have told us that judgment day is coming and you have told us that there is a way of escape through Christ Jesus and you have told us that God wants to pour His Holy Spirit out upon us. Now, brother, what should I do? What should I do? My heart, I've been cut to the heart. The Spirit of God has quickened me and I feel His presence. Now, what do I do? What step do I take next? Man, I hope you feel that same way today. I hope you feel cut to the heart today. I hope you feel a little bit convicted of your half-hearted approach to this walk with Jesus. I hope that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and, and He's drawing you closer to Him and He's telling you there's so much more He wants to do in your life. I pray the Holy Spirit has cut you to the heart. He's taking you by your spiritual shoulders and He's shaking you up a little bit. And He's saying, man, what are you doing? You've been satisfied with so little when I have so much yet to do in your life.
Brother, what do I do? Brother, what should I do? Brother, what should I do? And this is how Peter answered their question, and I'm going to answer it the same way to you today. Repent. Repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to Christ in faith. Repent. Change your mind about the, the direction of your life. Repent. Turn away from those little compromises, compromises that are stealing your peace and your joy. Repent. Repent from your half-heartedness. Repent and turn to Christ and ask Him to baptize you, to pour out His Spirit upon you beyond measure. Repent. In the name of Jesus Christ. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, Peter said, is for you. And it's for your children. And it's for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord God will call. Brother, what should I do? Here's what you do. You turn to God. And you say, God, take all of me. Take all of me. Take all of me. Increase in me that I might decrease. Take all of me. I surrender. Have your way. Light me up with the presence of your Spirit. Overflow in my soul. Do in me what I could never do for myself. Change me completely. Pour out your Spirit upon my life beyond measure. If the promise is for me, then Lord, I want it desperately need it and ask you for it. Pour out your Spirit in my life.